Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where we are building a theology of self-care together. My name is Andrew Weir. I am your host, and I am the running rev. Through conversations with others and reflections, we are seeking to build a theology of self-care, exploring how we take that initiative to care for ourselves as we seek to live out our faith and vocations. Welcome to this episode as I welcome in a dear colleague of mine, Leanne Taylor, the Reverend Leanne Taylor, uh, who serves in a capacity in church leadership. And I had, uh, as I mentioned in the episode, the opportunity to go on a retreat with her and learn a little bit about soul care. And so immediately after the retreat, I asked her if she would be willing to come on and do a dive in this podcast about the soul and about soul care. So we dive into that, and Leanne uses it from an Enneagram perspective. I have talked about that on the podcast with guests before. The Enneagram is one way that we can know ourselves a little bit deeper, and so Leanne and I both uh, gravitate towards the Enneagram, and we both use it to help to identify and understand more about ourselves. And so as we dive into this episode, we hear this discussion on unpacking the soul. So let's dive in with Leanne Taylor. All right. Welcome in, friends, to this episode. Today, I'm joined by Leanne Taylor. Leanne, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thanks. It's good to be with you, Andrew. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on. Well, uh, I've known you. We've been working together in the church for a, a, a little while now, but I always like for an opportunity for my listeners to get to know our guests a little better. So, Leanne, mm-hmm. can you start off today by telling us who you are, uh, where you call home, and what does self-care mean to you? Hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> uh, we'll start with my name, Leanne Taylor. Um Gratefully, Andrew, I, I was named for both of my grandmothers, um, Gertrude Ann and Ora Lee. So I was really glad they chose the Lee Ann part, not the Gertrude <laughs> Ora part. <laughs> um, grew up in Southwest Virginia, and I'm lucky enough to be um, living in Lynchburg right now. Um, I work as the um, Director of Connecting Ministries for the Mountain View District. And for those of you unfamiliar with Mountain View, it's the former uh, Lynchburg and Danville districts. And so I'm in the district office. I'm a deacon. Um, Worked for lots and lots of years in full-time church music ministry. The most most of those years were in Blacksburg United Methodist Church and been at the district office since 2017. And um, let's see, you asked me what self-care is? Yeah, what does self-care mean to you? What does self-care mean to you? Um, gosh, before I go into that, let me tell you that um, I, I told you about who, what I do, but my favorite part of life is who I'm connected with. And um, I am a mother um, to two, ad- two young adult children, um, my son Taylor and my daughter Emma. And my daughter Emma's married, and she, has, she and her husband Connor have two, grand- two children. Harper, who's four, and Will, who's a year and a half. And um, those people right there are a huge gift in my life. Um, I have a husband, Hugh. We've been married for 16 years, and Mary and him gave me the gift of three additional young adult um, children and two additional grandchildren. So (laughs) I'm happy to be um, 
you know, matriarch of a nice big family. That's a beautiful part of my life. Um, so what does self-care mean to me? Um, the older I get, the deeper um, the definition grows. Um, speaking of older, I turned 60 this year. Um, one of the gifts I gave myself um, during the pandemic, when things really slowed down, was um, I gave myself the gift of some continuing education, and I enrolled in um, um, intensive um, three-year program to study the Enneagram as a tool for spiritual formation. And um, it follows a natural way of looking at life, which for me comes straight out of the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So for me, self-care is centered around heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's uh, the older I get, the more I um, understand that for me, it's being in a state of flow. Um, and if there's some, if there's a block in my heart, in my emotions, it's tending to that. In my soul, it's tending to that through spiritual practices. Mm. If I'm, uh, if my thinking is inefficient, if it's um, troubled by anxiety, it's tending to that. And strength is that just my physical being and physical wellness. And if there's a block there, tending to that. And I I wanted to have you on after a retreat that that we were on together just a few weeks ago where Mm -hmm. your teacher and mentor came and and imparted just some great and awesome, wonderful wisdom. And but to more deeply explore this nature that we've covered on this podcast before, uh, listeners will remember that Sarah Locke joined um, not too long ago, and we tried to unpack this definition of expanding self care into soul care. Um, because especially as Christians, we recognize the terminology that soul plays in both our theological understanding of ourselves. As well as just the the embodiment the embodiment of our faith, and uh, we were when we were at this retreat. I remember recalling um, as we were sitting in our group and being asked to really uncover this nature of soul that exists within us, and to unpack that nature, we dove into who we were and what defined us. Um, and so when when we begin to unpack why uh, a healthy soul care practice becomes important for a healthy self-care practice. What are some of the aspects that play into that in your life? Mm, Gosh, thank you. What a beautifully deep question. So since I've been starting this, uh, since I've been doing this deep dive into the Enneagram and the way um, Dr. Joe Howell teaches it at the Institute for Conscious being is um, becoming aware of the life force or essence or soul child. Um, the beautiful way that he helps us uh, discover that is uh, through um, sort of a gradual 
meditation, a series of meditations that take you gradually closer and closer to an encounter with a memory of yourself before your childhood wound. And I had a just a wonderful, wonderful experience of that the first time I um, walked through that, um, through those guided meditations and sort of met my, met, I felt like in meditation in sort of a miraculous way that who I who I am mm-hmm. before I was born. <laughs> um, and, and it's before the ego developed. Mm-hmm. It's before all the, um, before the, um, before I needed to defend myself against the um, threats um, in my world, and before I ever experienced that first wounding um, that you know introduced me to fear, uh, and uh, so that pure, beautiful soul self, life force, uh, once I kind of got a sense of that energy and could, in my imagination, really just go back to that place of seeing her again, um, talking with my um, myself, spending mostly it's a sense of just for me, just a real deep sense of peace, connecting with that. Like when I, I, once I began to experience that energy, I realized like how much of my prayer practice in my entire life Mm -hmm. has been worry tied up with a spiritual bow. And I am no less worried when I finish listing for God all the things I'm worried about. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, tied up with a bow. For me now, having discovered this sense of this central sense of eternal peace within me, that's the place I go. And I take the things now that I'm worried about. So this would be a thing, this a mind thing for mm-hmm. me. I can let them go. And for me, it's not about words anymore. It's more about releasing and allowing like allowing uh, not not judging myself for worrying anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> accepting that this is a sort of thing that really knocks me off my kilter and then releasing them and i do come now having met this still point in the center of my being I do come away from that spiritual practice of prayer, having let go of the worry and not taking it into my next day or my next conversation. So that's been a huge difference for me. I I had no idea that I was inefficiently praying for my entire life. And can I give you an example of this? Yes. I had a real practical experience of this the other day. I was driving, I think it was last Monday. Not yesterday, or day before yesterday, but last week, last Monday. And I heard an Amber Alert, and it described um, 
two children who had been abducted, and they were three year olds, three years old, and one year old. And I nearly had a panic attack because that that was one of my uh, irrational fears as a young mother that my children would be abducted. So it really triggered. It touched a place of real fear for me, and I started pray it. Dear Lord, have mercy. Dear Lord, have mercy. Dear Lord. You know, and from a space and an energy of worry, worry, worry. And all of a sudden, I was just overcome with this sense of love is the most powerful force in the universe. And I began to speak sort of in my prayer speak to Jesse, who I think was the father. He had the same last name. I just began to speak to to him and say, Jesse, do it for the love of these children. You've You've heard the Amber Alert on the radio just like I did. Just come on and pull over at the fire station. Do it for the children. You know you can't take care of them. You know you you shouldn't have taken the children. Just do it for the love. Pull over. And I just felt so at peace, not necessarily with that I was speaking directly to him, but that I was joining this energy of love, of divine love, of the divine love's outcome for the children's safety. And I don't know. I didn't feel afraid anymore. I wasn't begging God to be a merciful God. God is a merciful God. And I don't I don't know what happened, but I do know that the children were recovered. Mm. And and that I participated in that suddenly different way of praying in a way that was flowing with eternal love instead of my own compulsion of fear. And that was a practical way that that kind of played out. And I was kind of shocked by it because I didn't plan on it. It just happened. <laughs> yeah. And you talk about it happening from a, a sense and understanding of knowing yourself. And mm-hmm. when we talk about this nature of self-care and what it means to truly know and understand what it takes to care for ourselves is to truly know and understand ourselves. Um, and, and listeners... Are, are very familiar with the Enneagram at this point in time. Um, not only do I talk about it every five minutes, no, mm. um, but I have, I've had a lot of, <clears throat> I've had a lot of guests who have used it as a form of identifying and digging deeper um, about themselves as they mm-hmm. seek to discover what it looks like to care for themselves. And so as someone who's been studying the Enneagram and doing work around this sort of identity test, and and I like to be clear for listeners that the Enneagram is just one way, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just one way. And, you know, for some people it works, for some people it might not. Some Something else might work. But I think that there's value in um, hearing about these. So if there are any Myers-Briggs folks out there, like message me. I'd love to have you on, uh, any any of those folks. Um, but, but I've got Leanne here, and she's got a great wealth of information. I am ha- hoping to have Dr. Joe Howell on at some point Whoa. in time. Uh, to talk a little bit deeper as well, but just from Leanne's perspective, mm-hmm. as 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 we unlock this this consciousness that exists within us, and we look at how have how you have used the Enneagram to unlock this nature of consciousness within you, what has that looked like in your journey? All right. Um, well, part of the part of the rhythm of the. Um, 
the in-person um, intensives with the uh, Institute for Conscious Being um, is that you uh, we do three a year in each um, body center. Each, I mean, each um, center. Like the January, will be the um, heart center. And we do, um, we study and prepare for uh, understanding two, threes, and fours. And then the next one will be the mind center uh, in, um, in May. We'll focus on the mind center. We'll study more deeply for five, six, and sevens. And then um, the September meeting is um, the gut center. So we just did um, a, a session focused on eight, nines, and ones. and. Um, it's been interesting. The more the I, I'm in an entirely different place than when I went through the first time, having been through now a second cycle, and I'm kind of excited to see what it'll, what how growing in consciousness consciousness will develop then for a third time through and a lifetime practice. Um, one of the things that the Institute for Conscious Being talks about is developing spiritual practices. Um, um, you know, whatever works for you for, um, that helped you connect with a deeper awareness of your emotions. No matter what type you are, we can all grow more um, connected with the, our own heart center. Mm. Um, and eat, and so even if you're not in the heart center, we we grow to understand people in our heart center, and the focus really is on uh, understanding our ego type, where we disintegrate, and the number we go to when we integrate. And typically, they're not they're not in the same body center. So we become aware. Like for instance, I'm a six. I'm which is in the um, mind center. Mm-hmm. My, I'm an ego type six in the mind center. And when I um, disintegrate, is it, is it interesting? Oh, self-disclosure yeah. here. <laughs> when I disintegrate as a six, his compulsion is um, fear. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to, um, I want to, I don't want to get in trouble. I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble for my, teacher or the boss or like I'm the Mm. kid who um the motivating thing for me to practice the piano every day was I didn't want to get in trouble when I got to my lesson Mm. with my teacher like not motivated by joy to play every day sometimes I was yes but mostly I was trying to avoid getting in trouble for turning my homework in late or not pleasing my teachers you know, and so yeah. I there's an energy about doing. I disintegrate to three, which is in the it's in the heart center, isn't it? Oh, come on, we're so fun. I know. <laughs> <laughs> come join the party. Yeah, 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 yeah. I disintegrate to the um to the heart center, and I <sighs> I'm gonna be my uh I'm gonna be afraid <laughs> that I'm gonna get in trouble, and my people won't like me if I don't do 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 do. Like I'm gonna be a sort of bound by duty. That's a, so. That's there's an energy in the in, and it's an emotional energy. Uh, that makes me, that gets up under my doing. Uh, 
when I disintegrate to three. Now, when I integrate to six, I mean, to inter- integrate nine. as a six to nine, let me tell you, <sighs> there is a peace in my body. And I know what is mine to do. And I know when to do it. And I, there's no frantic. There's no fear attached that I'm going to please or displease. Mm. I just know what's mine to do. I can typically, when I'm in the ninth space, I can get to words, the right words to use. If I'm in a low side of six or in three, I'm second guessing myself all the way down the road. Did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Was I on time? Was I blah, blah, blah. All of that second guessing. So those are just some, so some examples of what it is for me to be in each of the, um, in each of those centers for me as a six, then learning to do some spiritual practices that help me move, help me move from that, um, frenzied energy, like first of all, to notice it and then to help me move toward the peaceful center, peaceful energy. And that's going to mean for me, um, it's almost always about breath. And it means getting in my body. Um, going to nine helps me, um, is a body center so I can cut off at the neck. Um, so um, spiritual practices that help me get in the body. Um, are best for me. And you'd be happy to know that regular walking mm-hmm. is yeah. one of the things that keeps me in touch with me. We and are, you. I, actually, you'll be excited for, for someone that I've got actually on the calendar already who wrote yeah. a book on, on walking as a spiritual practice, which what? I am very looking forward to. Yeah, that'll be a, yeah. that'll be a fun one to explore, especially as a runner. But I, I mean, I love to walk for spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. I love a good, I think I told you at the retreat, you know, there'll be times where I'm sitting here at my desk and I just get, I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to do anything else. Like my work brain is fried and I'm like, I just need a few minutes. And, and I found that walking yeah. that circle around our church property, about a half mile, it just, it calms and relaxes me. Yeah. And and thinking about that that consciousness because you know as listeners will know I I am an Enneagram three which which Ooh. exists in in the I like to call it the achiever um, yes the word the word performer hurts me it cuts me deep down mm. uh, which according to many Enneagram professors means that it actually identifies me the most um, but to to bring in that sense of consciousness into understanding yourself as you think about what motivates both deep down, right? Mm-hmm. What, what motivates me deep down? Um, and I point to my heart because I am in the heart center. Um, and I swear that like opening up that understanding was probably one of the greatest things for my marriage because my wife used to always say, I think a lot with my head. And as soon as I figured out, like, no, I'm, I'm in the heart center. Like I think with my heart, this is why like, I think like this. And and she being a nine is very much in that in that body center and mm-hmm. thinking from the gut, uh, and the way that knowing and understanding this state of consciousness and this way of knowing and understanding ourselves helps to unlock a lot of those different things for not only how we care for ourselves but how we interact with the world mm-hmm. as well. Um, because when we look at self care, 
as I've talked about on the podcast before, you know, you gave the first part of the great commandment. Um, but here on Active Faith, you know, we extend the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And that neither one of those, I love that they're combined. And as I've been doing reflection on this in my own journey, you know, people always say, well, self-care is selfish. And then, and so you swing, and so you swing to one side of that pendulum, but then you have the folks who swing to the other side, you know, that where, where it's like service over self, right? And you, you think about, you know, no, I give in, in, at the expense of my own self, because that's what God calls me to do. And it's like, well, no, God calls us to, to weigh them both equally that that we had that we have both times care for ourselves as well as understanding how we can care for others, and I don't think there's a greater entrance to that understanding than to than to consciously know ourselves. Uh, and one of the things that draws me to the Enneagram is this nature in which um, and and Dr. Howell talks about this, and just about every Enneagram person I've heard talk about it is you find yourself in every number, mm-hmm. right? You find yourself in every number. Now there is a number that is, is just spot on, you know, mm-hmm. your sense of soul, your mm-hmm. sense of ego, your sense of understanding. It's mm-hmm. uh, like Dr. Howell put it, it's the seat that you sit in, mm-hmm. right? But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can't look and see. And yeah. so ha- having that understanding helps us to unlock and unpack that nature of care because the more that we know how to care for ourselves mm-hmm. in whatever way, shape, or form we're acting, because if any of the listeners, you know, go to go to an Enneagram site and just look at the circle of the Enneagram numbers and make sure you get it with all of the like arrows that can and yeah. cannot be pointing to different things. Because you have things like uh like you said, integrate, disintegrate. And so, you know, mm-hmm. you you move towards one number depending on on the nature of health in your life. And so you know, as a six, you said you moved to three and nine, uh-huh. but then you also have wings. And so you have like the five and the seven. I've been all and around then, town. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and, and I think in that, you know, sometimes it can feel a little overwhelming to have mm-hmm. that be a sense of consciousness, but it also helps us to understand more people a little bit more as we uh-huh. unpack it. And so if, as you've unpacked this sense and you've done this diving in on who you are, Mm-hmm. And and what it means to identify who is Leanne and what does it mean for Leanne to be a conscious being, a, a soul being, an ego being? Um, mm-hmm. What does that also say about how you're interacting with the world as well? Gosh, it all comes down to compassion for me, Andrew. I um, uh, One of the most important aspects of this whole journey has been non-judgmental observation, non-judgmental observation of self. And when I could let go of shaming myself for my thoughts or my feelings or my reactivity, and I'm telling you, it stung at first. A lot. I mean, things that I've been taught to, you should be, I mean, I can hear the voice in my head, you should be ashamed for that. Guess what? We are all human beings. And that is just part of the natural makeup of the human. And I I tell you what, just finally learning to turn 
gentle, loving compassion toward myself for my own wounds is an amazing healer. Mm-hmm. You know, then at last, finally, the 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 behave the compulsive behaviors based on the childhood wounds then are released. Then, then it's just the next. It does. You don't consciously start seeing people with compassion. You just do. And for me, this is the bit of a process of learning to receive God's love for me as God's mm. created. And then, um, and then the the loving others is just naturally flowed flowed. Mm-hmm. through that and um i will i will say you know i i started doing this work um during the pandemic when i was in an exceedingly judgmental place in my life i was being judged harshly for voting differently mm-hmm. for seeing the world differently for seeing you know just basically every detail of covid differently um, just I, I felt like I was under under attack for mm-hmm. thinking differently and just but knowing that I had to be true to myself. But likewise, I was in a judgmental place for the other who was, you know, thinking and voting and perceiving the whole thing differently for me. So I was in a pretty judgmental place, judged and judgmental place. And so to just move from that stiff and unmovable place to just this whole experience of self-compassion and then flowing with compassion for the other. I get it now. Mm-hmm. I get it. How, because of anger or fear or shame, people develop differently and we develop our compulsions. We can't really help it. It just happens. So what do we need? Loving compassion to heal. Yeah. No, and and it needs to happen in our own hearts before we can think about it happening in the world. And it, exactly. Yeah. I, I, Andrew, I I I have the the meditation my the notes that I wrote after the first soul child experience that I yeah. had that I would love to share with you because they because this was a huge turning point for me in my life. And I didn't know I was going to share these, but I happened to have them right handy. No, definitely. And for our listeners, so the activity that that Leanne is talking about, so uh, Dr. Joseph Howell, who is uh, the founder and leader of the Institute for Conscious Being, uh, he came and talked at a soul care retreat. Leanne got him to come and and he came that that we were both at and that I attended and, and she helped to lead. And one of the activities he does is an activity of meditation to unlock what he calls this inner soul child uh, that really allows us to rest and reside in in who we deeply are inside. Uh, and and it's and it's my understanding that that in the in the larger scale of the class, this is one of the things that helps to unpack that nature of self that you're pulling out of there. Uh, it it pulls out those senses of ego that you use to mask that sense of soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I really appreciated this activity when we were doing it at the retreat, um, not not because it unpacked anything that was that was new for me. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd never done the routine before, um, 
but because it validated, I don't even know if that's the right word. It, 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 it reaffirmed, it, mm-hmm. it, it reaffirmed the, the ego that I try and present forth in place of my soul. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it reaffirmed the person that I think I try to be more than the, more than the person that I actually am, which is a very common thing for, for threes to do mm-hmm. is to mask is to use their ego to mask their soul. Uh, and so, <laughs> um, fully willing to admit that one too, but, but yeah, Lee, and I would love to, to hear a meditation of, of you sharing this, this gift with us. Thank you. Thanks for letting me do that. So this was what I wrote after I had that experience. Um, during our heart center intensive, I kept a photo of myself at about age two across the room where I could see myself or her often beside me I kept a photo of my two and a half year old granddaughter Harper who teaches me what living in essence is every time we're together in the week following our intensive I listened to episode 41 of the real Enneagram um, a spiritual quest which is the podcast for the Institute for Conscious Being episode 41 and in it Dr. Howe guides the listener through a soul child meditation After experiencing the safety of opening up my heart during the intensive, I was able to trust the meditation and open my heart to receive the gift in it. And I share it here with you in deep gratitude. My darling came to me in a yellow and white seersucker romper tied over the shoulder in a bow. She was playing in the backyard and then resting in Mama's lap on the porch. She was sucking on a homemade pineapple juice popsicle with a a plastic Tupperware stick, and I could taste its sweetness and feel the cold on my lips. Our dog Gina, a beautiful collie, was playing in the yard. I could hear her dog tags clinking together. My doll was beside me, I could see her small hand and feel the shape of it in my mouth. I could feel the warmth of the sun on my skin and see the green mountain in the distance and the shimmering leaves of the pin oak tree above me. I was safe. I was secure. I was in love. Where have you been? I asked her. Playing? She said. Where have you been? She asked me. Working. I said. Can I come with you? She asked me. Yes, I said. I hope it won't be too boring for you. I'll make it fun, she said. She touched my face and noticed the tear falling down my neck. Wordlessly, I asked for her help with a few things I'm dealing with. My sadness over a loved one's fear ignited by politics. My sadness over my brother's failing health due to Alzheimer's. My sadness over my boss leaving for a new job in June. My darling reminded me just to be in today, to be here, 
now. Then a fountain flow of thankfulness flooded my heart and spilled down my face. Thankfulness for my son's birthday. Thankfulness for a new chapter with a new boss. Thankfulness for my health and the promise of getting a vaccine. Thankfulness for a baby grandson on the way. My darling reminded me that we've done hard things before. We have loved through painful situations. We have seen lives transformed by love. We know love never fails. We know we can do this together. And then she reminded me of times we had been together before. When she came to me once in a meditation. When she came to me in a dream. When she came with me in a prayer vision in which we were wrapped in Jesus' embrace and healed of fear. All of this passed between us with wordless knowing. With our heads inclined toward one another, I poured out my heart to you. My darling, I love you. I love you. I want to be with you every day, all day. Be with me today in my breath. I became aware that our heads created the silhouette of a heart and that we were not alone. In our oneness, we were connecting in love with my mom, Aura, with her mother, Lee, with Emma, our daughter, with Harper, our granddaughter. We are all one, all one essence, all love. Thank you, God. Amen. That was February the 4th, 2021. Hmm. <laughs> and so as, as you think about and reflect on, on that soul child that mm. sits within you, what is that nature of care that that soul child is seeking as yeah keep yeah go ahead she has a beautiful understanding of the balance of work and play Mm. and that work can be fun (laughs) in my sickness loyalty duty Mm -hmm. if i don't do it i'll get in trouble i can work 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 and ignore the stiffness in my neck forget that it's time to eat a healthy lunch, Um, forget that it is meant to be a delight to be with people and that everything I do can be, have a, have a twinge of fun in it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And when that comes into not just your vocation, but the way that you live out your ministry, your call, (laughs) your purpose (laughs) in life in general, Mm-hmm. It it sounds like there's a transformational shift that allows it to not be as much even about you because the you that you know, the conscious being, the soul child that exists within you has been cared for. Now there's now there's there's something to be said that there is continued care that takes place, right? We don't mm-hmm. we don't care for our soul child. We don't care for ourselves once and think it's going to fix all of our problems. Right. Um, <laughs> as much as we wish we might that might be the case. But yeah. Um, 
in understanding that, mm-hmm. it sounds like it creates a clearer space for us to be able to have that healthier relationship with the world outside of ourselves, outside of our egos, outside of that space that exists right here within us and within our presence. And so in unlocking this, and you've kind of talked a little bit about it as we've gone on, how have you noticed the relationships around you changing? Mm-hmm. Um, not, I mean, not with cowork, not just with coworkers, mm-hmm. but with with coworkers, with friends, with family, with people that you meet, like random encounters throughout the world. Like, how has it changed those relationships and those experiences around you? Has it unlocked this inner conscious being? Thank you. I I think um, I think one of the biggest difference for me is that. Um, I have a far greater sense of how much is enough and when to stop. And and I can work a long day if work needs to be done. But I also know that if I do that tomorrow, there'll be playtime in the morning or earlier in the afternoon. And I just don't even think twice about balancing from day to day. Now, that is a thing that is contagious in a workplace. Like And that permission giving without guilt is a beautiful gift to bring to a workplace. And I would say that our, our um, little trio of um, workers in our office is getting better and better yeah. about not making excuses for saying Thursday afternoon, not available, see y'all, see y'all Monday. You know, weekend starts Thursday afternoon, and um, because we know each other's uh, schedules, we know how hard we're working, and that um, that if we are not in a good place when we're working, we can do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a that's been a beautiful gift. My husband will be the first to say that I've taught him how to relax. That he used to never work, and it used to never stop. He mm-hmm. did a. Uh, a job during the week and then he had another job on the weekend and he never slowed down and he missed a lot of life for a lot of years not taking a break and um he he will say he learned sabbath keeping from me mm-hmm. um one of my coworkers who's just in the building with me um said to me yesterday she came in to visit with me and she, this was just such a tender gift she gave to me and I didn't ask for it. I mean I don't know why I don't know why it occurred to her to say it, but she said, Miss Leanne, you just are flowing with grace whenever you come down the hallway. And I think it's body energy. Mm. I think that I'm not bringing a, <laughs> my former adrenaline addiction and it, which is obvious to see in my body when I'm working under, under it. I'm not bringing that with me anymore. Mm. I don't have, you know, I take the time to walk in the morning and to and to move intentionally when I practice yoga. And then so I think my body, my body movements are centered. My thoughts are considered before they come out. And she noticed. And I think it's, you know, I, I, I know that has a positive effect. Now, I will be the first to say to all my friends in the Virginia conference who are listening to this, who've been with me at a meeting in which I have blurted, I do not often, I mean, I do not always (laughs) function out of the sense of 
peace and centeredness, I can be a blurter. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so as you know, as we kind of as we kind of close this time out today, my, my mind reflects on this uh retreat that that I had the pleasure of of attending mm-hmm. and and helping to lead activities at. Yeah. Uh, and, and it coming out of a conversation that we had during the pandemic, uh, with, with, uh, uh you and, and, and Jesse Colwell, who's been on the podcast before mm-hmm. and, and, and a few others. And it, and it really highlighted this nature of in a, in a work, 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 work environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, you know, falling back as, as I too am someone who gets very stuck in that work, work, work environment, mm. um, those moments of those moments of pausing of reflecting of allowing the soul an opportunity to rest um even beyond just the physical rest but the soul an opportunity to rest what becomes the differentiation in that of bodily rest and soul rest because i, I to me they're to me they feel like two different things um and mm-hmm. and to give just to give kudos to you and Jesse, y'all created a retreat that honored both of those, where both my body and my soul could rest. Um, and so I want to hear from you, you know, what what is that differentiation in those mm-hmm. two? And and maybe even like why is soul rest just as important as bodily rest? Gosh. Uh, um for me it's soul um it's that question of what is soul, what is ego. And so when I'm in ego, I'm the center of all my thoughts, actions, and feelings. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, can, I'm totally connected with compulsion um, and probably driven by fear if I'm in that place. And so an intentional, Soul resting in soul is is that for me, God, you are the center of the universe, and I am not. Mm-hmm. And it's um, like for me, this I can be worried, and I can worry myself right through a prayer, a worded prayer. But if I can be still in my body. Feel my feet on the floor or do Shavasana and get on the ground and feel supported. Let the law of gravity hold me. Mm. And then let go, do a body scan from the from my, the bottom of my feet to the top of my head and relax. And for me, I need a full body physical relaxation. And when I can find that um, releasing of stress in my body, and that's always accompanied by breath, and I become centered in my, like for me, it's like solar plexus, that sense of soul, the very center of my being. And then I can be in that place of soul rest where I'm not the center of the universe. It does not all hinge on me. And I remember that God is the source, God, and goal of everything. And I can let go and trust. And 
I mean, it just feels like you cannot take care of one thing without also taking care of another. Mm -hmm. Because when you forget something, that's when the 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 holes, you know, like when, when you make a plan and you forget something in a plan, that's when the holes start to reveal themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's when things can start to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And I think in the same manner with our self-care, when we don't approach it in a holistic sense, and and when uh, you know I can sit here and I can take care of my physical body, you know I can I can do the mental health stuff, but mm-hmm. but even in this podcast where I'm approaching it from a faith based perspective, mm-hmm. uh, to to negate the soul and to negate the care that the soul needs, oftentimes negates the understanding that the soul is a part of us, <laughs> um, and that it needs just as much care as the rest of us, and so. Mm-hmm. When we're thinking about what it looks like to care, you know, are we taking that into consideration as we're making some kind of self-care ritual that's going to play out in our lives? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, I mean, there's so much to, there's so much to dig in there. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's something that I think as we, as I continue along in this podcast that I continue to learn and unpack because it does become such an important part and it highlights that nature, that mm-hmm. multifaceted nature for us, but. So let's let's dive into these these questions here to end this podcast. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite comfort meal? Oh. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> My favorite comfort meal. Well, I make a mean black bean chili and Ooh. um and um cornbread and that is that just means warm blanket to me i love it with butter and apple apple butter too yeah oh <laughs> my wife loves apple butter <laughs> oh so good on um cornbread yes all right so you have had a long week of work what is your ideal day off look like ah oh, driving the country gotta have time preferably with the top down <laughs> Got to have time to pull off, take a little walk in the woods, breathe in. And I'm going to confess, I'd really rather do it by myself. <laughs> I like sometimes, to do it alone. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I love being with other people. I'm, I, I, get my, I get my juices flowing with other people. So yeah. part of that day off, I just really want some alone time. And if I can have a view if I can drive somewhere where there's a view, all the better. I can just get myself back in perspective. Hmm. Who do you go to when life gets tough? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. You know, I have a spiritual director that I've been working with since 2006. Her name is Shirley Larson. Hmm. She, um, my goodness, she's prayed me through a lot of ups and downs in life and um both of my parents are deceased i would have said them <laughs> i think um and then shirley's my shirley's my go-to mm. what is something you have done that has made you feel accomplished oh <laughs> um you know andrew i i i i Never in my life dreamed I would write a memoir, but mm. my former husband, Joe Cobb, and I wrote a memoir, um, uh, our family outing, um, uh, um, 
a memoir of coming out and coming through. Mm. And um, that was a terrifyingly vulnerable experience for me. But uh, I did feel very accomplished when I I could say I did that. Mm. And lastly, what is an upcoming goal that you have? Mm. Um, I have downloaded two novels on Audible. And I'm going to take the time to listen to them. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Two novels. How novel is that for me? I love to listen to learn and I do, I readily do that. But um, I've I've got two books for fun. Mm, Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Leanne, thank you so much for coming on. Mm. This has been an absolute joy and treat uh, to to just sit here and, and listen and take in your story. And, and hear about that, that understanding of caring for ourselves. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Andrew. I am happy to talk about something that means so much to me, and I'm thrilled to be a part of your wonderful podcast. Thank you for doing that, for all the good you're doing in the world. Thank you. Wow, I so much just enjoyed that conversation. I know it definitely lifted my soul, my spirit every time I kind of have these conversations like Leanne and I have. Uh, it unpacks more of that nature of that that conscious being uh, and that sense of consciousness and soul that exists within us. Uh, I invite you to, to do some of these activities that Leanne and I talked about. These opportunities to really dive in, to have uh, personal reflection on what is happening inside of you. What are the, what is that ego nature that is that is pointing out to the world, and what are ways that you can live in a more holistic sense as yourself, as the true sense of soul that you possess. And that's one of the things that really a lot of this begins to unpack. Whether it is the enneagram or some other form of personal inventory understanding type of thing, uh, look for these opportunities to know and understand yourself better and how you respond to things in the world. Because ultimately, a lot of times, self-care comes down to how we respond. How does our body respond? What are our natural responses, right? Things like uh, uh, stress are responses to how we uh, interact with the outside world. The more that we know about these things and the more that we can engage in ways that seek to help us, uh, the more that we can be knowledgeable about uh, better working in the world. And so no matter what that is, knowing ourselves is going to help play the role in making us the better humans to be able to do this work. And so, you know, I want to thank you all for joining us on this podcast. Uh, thank you for joining me here on Active Faith. If you have seen, I've kind of uh, done a little bit of, of, of musical chairs on social media. I've gotten rid of the Active Faith pod pages on Facebook and Instagram, and I've uh, fully put them under my um, Run and Rev uh, social media account. So I have a social media account on Instagram and a Facebook page for the Run and Rev Please follow me there. This is uh, this is in an effort to one consolidate a little bit of the social media that I do and make it a little bit easier for me to manage my own social media accounts. But also, it will hopefully help me to highlight uh, a lot more of things that I'm doing just beyond this podcast that exists within this this self care realm, this active lifestyle realm that I've um, hopefully coming into and hoping to you know really fully embrace. And so, find me over there. 
uh, runnin underscore rev on Instagram, and then it's the runnin rev. Runnin rev is one word on Facebook, and so join me over there. Also, you know, we still have our active faith community on Facebook. That is a community for this podcast. Go over. We support one another. We encourage one another in our self-care journeys. Uh, And if you're looking for ways to support this podcast, I would love it if you would head on over to patreon.com slash run and rev to support me via Patreon. I would love to thank my current patrons, David Vaughn, Pam Anderson, Amy Dane, and Andy Wells, who support me over there. Any dollar amount gets you a shout out in the episode, as well as my undying love and gratitude for your support to this mission and ministry. Make sure, uh, if you can't do that, go on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Spotify, and please leave a rating or review. Let me know what you're loving about this podcast and help others find the podcast as well. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. And lastly, don't forget to invite friends, family, whoever to listen to this podcast as we all build a theology of self-care together. And now may God bless each of us and may we find ways to stay active in and for God's kingdom. Amen. Amen.